How do you kick off your new year on the right foot? We'll tackle a recent piece in the Washington Post that actually was for the end of last year, but our thought leader, Eric Robert, says it's perfect for the new decade as well. We're kicking things off right in 2020 on today's Money with Friends. Welcome to Money with Friends, coming to you from Detroit, Michigan, where we make the Stacky Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Salcihai. And I'm Eric Robert, coming to you live from Boston, Massachusetts. This is the show where we open the news and dive in with financial thought leaders from all walks of life. Today, we're covering the Washington Post and our friend Michelle Singletary, who wrote today's piece. We'll not only read some of it to you, like some podcasts, but we're going to talk about why it's important to you and your wallet. Uh, big thanks to Rocket Dollar for supporting Money with Friends. Rocket Dollar account holders have the ability to invest their retirement savings in anything they choose through a Rocket Dollar self-directed IRA or solo 401k, make investments directly into real estate, private companies, peer-to-peer lending, crowdfunding, and everything else allowed by the IRS. Get $100 off your setup fee by heading to rocketdollar.com slash MWF. That's rocketdollar.com slash MWF. And I say this every time, Rocket Dollar uh, sponsors our show. Big thanks to them. But man, if you're going to do a self-directed IRA, you you better know what you're doing. What I really like about Rocket Dollar, Eric, is they have this knowledge base that'll help people not do something called disqualify your IRA, which could cost you a ton of money. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The rules are very important in that case. It is. It, it can be ugly. How are you, my friend? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Things are great. I was able to take some time off and I feel I do feel refreshed right now coming back into the new year. Well, it's good. We got Eric Robert's refreshed, which is exactly where we want him. By the way, tell everybody about your podcast Beyond Finances that you do with your spouse, Kaylee. You guys talk about money and I always feel like I'm a fly on the wall in a pretty intimate conversation, but tell everybody a little bit about that before we kick off today's show. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the whole point of our podcast is really to, to bring to life real money conversations that people are having every day because when it comes to financial planning, a lot of times people think future, 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 but we very much think it's about impacting today, engaging in now, but also being responsible about tomorrow. So that's what we talk about. Um, I think we have we have one coming up about, um, actually it's already out, about um, how to, it's, it's going to be a spinoff of what we talk about today, just how to plan for the new year and taking advantage of that end of year pinpoint to say, all right, what are we doing now? How was our last year? What are we doing next year? What are the things to think about that aren't necessarily what you think they'll be? That's it's it's really cool. Uh, we'll have links, by the way, on our show notes page at uh, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. But let's let's dig into today's piece, which kind of leads into what you're doing at, at, at Beyond Finances. But to kick this off, let's see which one of our friends is going to help us uh, open up today's show. This is Scott from the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. The money talking party starts now. It's time for Money with Friends. All right. Today's piece comes to us from columnist Michelle Singletary at the Washington Post. It's entitled Seven Money Moves You Can Actually Make Before the End of the Year. Eric, you want to do the honors? Yeah, let's go. So Michelle says, the typical list of financial moves to make before year's end can be helpful. It can also be frustrating. You're told to rush to put more money into your 401k or similar retirement workplace account. Some experts advise that you max out before December 31st. The maximum amount you can contribute this year is 19000 or this was 2019. 
If you're 50 or older, there's a catch-up provision that allows you to sock away an additional $6,000 for a total of $25,000. In 2020, the annual max increases to $19,500 and the catch-up up to $6,500. Well, you might be encouraged to make year-end charitable contributions. Have kids, well, you don't why why don't you give that 529 plan savings plan a cash boost before you ring in the new year if your state offers a tax deduction for contributions to a 529 plan even better if you have stocks that have declined it might be smart to sell and use the losses to offset other gains experts recommend here's the thing all of these suggestions make sense but for many people they're unrealistic or irrelevant how likely is it you could tell your employer, hey, just roll my last few paychecks into my 401k so I can get as close as I can to the $19,000 cap? My experience, people who can max out their workplace retirement account set this in motion long before the end of the year. You can't take after-tax savings to fund this account, so you'd have to plan to have the money taken out of your paycheck before taxes. Unless someone's getting huge year-end bonus, it's not likely he or she can make a lump sum 401k contribution in the last few months or weeks of the year. I get a chuckle about the charitable giving recommendation as if there's a lot of people saying to themselves, shoot, thanks for the reminder about this great tax deduction. I've been meaning to send off a $3,000 check to my favorite charity. The average working class family is living paycheck to paycheck. They're struggling to make ends meet, so there isn't any extra cash available to make year-end money moves. Before we get into these exact moves, and you and I, then Eric, can comment on these. Uh, how do you feel about what she's saying here about the unrealistic expectations of some of this kind of uh, trite financial advice? Yeah, well, I, mean, I, I agree with her to an extent. I mean, certain parts of it, it, depending on where you are in your financial status, some of these things could actually be easy. But the major point, I think, is that people need to take into account is that you can't accelerate that 401k contribution. You have to put it in through your paycheck. So it's not like you can wait till the end of the year, like an IRA and say, all right, I'm just going to dump my cash savings into the 401k to max it out. It doesn't work that way. And it does require that long-term planning to make sure you can hit. I feel like she's right though, that there is a hierarchy. I think that people who are money nerds understand the rules and they get the rules and people who aren't money nerds don't understand the rules. But I think the hierarchy that Michelle's kind of alluding to here is you first got to get excited about saving and be able to figure out how to save. And then you become a money nerd, which then leads to wanting to know what the rules are and how everything works. Like, I think, I don't know if, 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 if you don't think you can save any money, who cares about the the contribution number as an example? Right. And so that you're right. It, it only is directed at certain people. Yeah. And typically it's coming from financial advisors and financial advisors are often working with wealthy people. So it all makes sense from their perspective, but you're missing the vast majority of people when you're commenting like that. I need my Homer Simpson nerd uh, nerds thing that we play on Stacking Benjamins, but I don't don't, don't have that. Uh, let's go through her real advice for the end of the year. And by the way, before we get to these, we realize that these are for the end of the year, but you say that these are actually a great way to kick off a year. I think they're important to do at any time. And using the end of the year as the trigger is the key here. It's a point in time where people often relax, reset, and move forward. So why not think about these things that she's talking about at that time? But same thing here. I mean, people at the beginning of the year, right? I went to the gym this morning. My gym was packed, dude. It, 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 it wasn't packed a month ago when I went in there. Like this time of year, people are thinking, I bet your phone is ringing a hell of a lot more now than it was in mid-December with people wanting to meet. 
but yeah, I mean, it's it's the momentum. People have the energy to start off the new year with some some fresh new habits, and and finances is right front and center for that. Yeah, let's. Uh, uh, by the way, we do this in front of a live YouTube audience. So, guys, if you uh, want to play along with us, feel free to comment in the comments below, and uh, you can be a part of this conversation as well with Eric and I. But let's peel off the first one. The first one says, "Pull your monthly bank and or credit card statements for the last year." Uh, Michelle writes, "I recognize you probably would rather get a root canal than follow through on this advice, but there's a purpose to what might be a painful process. You need to own your financial truth, and you." Can't can't do that if you don't have truthful information. People will tell me, I don't need out, out much, but their bank or credit card statements tell a different story. Uh, I used to have people tell this to me back when I was a financial planner over a decade ago. Uh, one client said, uh, I would, I, I feel like this is like going to the dentist, but much like going to the dentist, whenever I leave your office, Joe, I feel so much better. Like I feel great that I actually went looking at your credit card statement. That's the same thing. You look better. You feel better after you actually look at the numbers. Well, it makes it real. And instead of doing the mental accounting that most people do with, oh, I think I spend X amount on my restaurants, you can actually see the number. And it certainly isn't about making yourself right or wrong because there isn't a right or wrong about how you're spending. It's about whether it's in line with what you truly value or not. And if it's not, you can only identify that if you see the numbers first. And now your credit card statement will do a lot of the heavy lifting for you. In other words, you can go to your you can go to your bank or your credit card provider and they've already categorized it all out. I mean, made pretty charts and graphs. Yeah, they they do help that a lot now. So it's not like you have to do the work yourself and and move things around and, and try to organize things on a spreadsheet. You can see the numbers, but that's the challenge. People don't want to see the numbers. Next up then, this is another number that's hard to see. Total up all your debts. Yeah. This is, I mean, if, if you have debt and this is, this is mortgages, this is credit card debt, it's student loans, it's personal loans, it's car loans. There's a lot of different types of debt out there and it's not all bad debt. Some of it could be very good. It could have, you know, the mortgage could have got you into your home. Great. So you can have that debt. It's not like you have to get rid of everything. But if you don't know what your balance sheet looks like and you don't know how much you're putting towards debt every month, which is taking away from your use of money elsewhere, then it's really tough to make any decisions. Yeah, it's tough to have a strategy if you don't have the numbers written out because it's funny, I would see people that would put equal amounts toward, you know, and now we're in Dave from Tennessee's territory, right? Where where people would pay equal amounts to different debts, but it's much better to say, I'm going to lop everything toward one debt, either the higher, highest interest rate or lowest balance or whichever the hell way you want to go. I think people, people spend way too much time talking about which one's the optimal strategy, but having a strategy you can't do unless you have the numbers written down. Right. It's, it's all about the numbers. You cannot guess at this stuff. Numbers are there. We have so many things that are out of our control and that we can't really wrap our minds around. Numbers aren't one of them. Those are actually real life things. So take a look at them. Next, uh, Michelle writes, to total up your savings that you have. She says it may look pitiful, but, uh, but put it in front of you. Yeah. I mean, this is another thing. If, if you want to have freedom in the future, financial freedom, that is, or just life freedom in general, you have to start saving for that. No one else is going to swoop in and say, here's a bunch of money down the road. Now you can use it. It's you. It's on you to save up for that thing. And the only way to do that is to save consistently over time. And I think once you see that number, you immediately, like, 
I don't know. I, I, maybe it's just me, but I don't think so. I think people naturally are achievers. And when you put a number in front of you, what's the first thing you think? You're like, I bet I can make that number bigger. I bet I can like, and until you have that number in front of you, you don't have that personal challenge going on in your head. Is that me? Or do you think that's most people? I mean, I think it's a lot of people, anybody that likes to compete in anything yeah. at all is going to want to challenge themselves to move that number up. And again, there's no one right answer here. If you're saving 5%, save 6%. Don't say, oh, I'm only saving 5%. I need to jump up to 20% immediately. Right. Well, it, it, that's funny because uh, I saw people um, back in the day would come into my office, brand new client. They'd be super excited, like absolutely geeked. And we put together this plan, but they would try to double the plan or they would try to do, you know, one and a half times, almost like a crash diet. And they would go maybe six weeks and then we get together and they go, yeah, we did great. We Everything's going fine. And we then realized that we'd saved a bunch of money and we bought a big screen TV. Like this, this idea of ramen noodle, ramen noodle, ramen noodle, steak dinner, right? Because isn't, isn't a sustainable diet. Like, I think it's about sustainability more than what you're excited about today. Yeah. And timing wise on that, it's, that's a perfect conversation to have now in January because people are out of the gate. They are trying to sprint. And by January 28th, they are exhausted and they give up on their goals and you still have 11 more months in the year. Do something that's achievable. How do you how do you solve that? I mean, I'm I'm thinking, okay, do something that's achievable makes sense, but maybe even peel off something that's achievable by the end of the month so you get that quick win. Like, is that how you stay motivated? Do, do you set a slower pace? But if you set a slower pace, you feel like you're not going anywhere. Like, where's that middle ground, Eric? Oh, that's a tough question because I'm with you. I mean, I, I want to do everything to the max. I mean, even when I was uh, younger and trying to clean my room, I would I would be in the corner of the room trying to dust like every little piece of the bookshelf. <laughs> and then I look at the rest of the thing and I'm, I'm exhausted by then and I give up. You, you have to just understand that it's a long game, that savings is going to compound over time. So so look at the year and saying, what what is achievable? What is something that I can sustain? What is something that I'm going to feel good about, but that I'm not going to give up on because it's overwhelming in the first two months? I also like during that first two months, if it's a big goal, setting up little milestones so that even if I haven't reached the goal, I've reached the subset of the goal. Like maybe I haven't climbed Mount Everest, but I've reached base camp number one of five. You know what I mean? So then I can celebrate that I'm one fifth of the way up the mountain instead of going, oh my God, I got four fifths of the mountain to climb. I'm celebrating the fact that I made it a little, a little place. I used to love, well, I still love smaller milestones so that I can eat the elephant one piece at a time. Yeah. No, I like that too. And if, if you look at it quarterly and say, all right, by, by the end of March, I'm going to have saved X amount. And then, like you said, take a little bit of celebration. Say, okay, well, let, let me go out to dinner and, and spend a little bit more than I would normally spend just to take that into account. Now, don't erase your entire savings on this dinner, <laughs> but, but appreciate it and, and really respect yourself for doing a good thing. Next up is to review your social security statement. And and I, I read this advice from Michelle and I go, okay, this is great if you're in your 50s, maybe. But let's say that you're 25 and watching us or listening to us. How important is this review your social security statement thing? I mean, it's it's not important for a 25-year-old. The social security statement's going to be, there's not going to be anything on it. It's going to be five years worth of, of working, maybe. Um, it's not going to tell you much. 
And like I do for my clients now, especially the younger ones, um, I do, we don't even build in social security when we do the conservative planning. Yeah. So we don't want to rely on something that may or may not be there in the future. But that is interesting because I think I know you well enough to know that you do think it's going to be around, but you just don't want to plan on it. Yeah. I mean, I, what, what I really think is it's going to be probably 50 to 70% of what it is now. Yeah. Um, but if we don't plan for it, then that's icing on the cake when we get it. Yeah. Bonus money. Uh, last one she has here. Well, not the last one. There's, there's two more. Uh, do a net worth statement. This is something that escapes a lot of people. Why do you think she's got this on the list? Well, I mean, from my perspective, it is the, the, the point A, it tells you exactly where you are today from a financial perspective. There's so much that you can understand once you build in the, uh, build this um, financial statement, this net worth statement that can help you move forward. If you don't identify what you have in assets and liabilities or, you know, bank accounts and investments on the asset side, maybe a house and on the liability side, debts, um, student loans, mortgages, things we talked about. If you don't understand how those balances look today, you don't know how to move forward. And you certainly don't know how to solidify your foundation, which that really is, um, until you see those numbers. But I think a lot of people don't do it because they're not accountants and they don't necessarily know how to build it and what goes on there, what doesn't go on there. And you look at your house and you say, what are all the things in my house that are assets? Do I need to put all those things on there? And then they give up. And we overcomplicate it. Right. Yeah. Uh, last one on her list. She says, list your financial highs and lows for 2019. I really like this piece of advice, Eric, because I feel like we spend way too much time on the lows, not nearly enough time on the highs. Yes. And I also like this advice because it's more qualitative than quantitative. You know, we look at these year year end planning and in projection goals, a lot of them are numbers based. And if you're not a numbers person, you're not into it. So this one, you could just talk about what made you feel good? What made you feel not so good last year? I mean, what are the opportunities that I can see now that I've learned from those mistakes in the past? It's funny. I uh, I have this coach that that tells me to focus on the uh, focus on the gain, not on the horizon, because a lot of people focus on the horizon and the further you move toward the horizon, the further away it pulls. But instead, if you look backwards at what did I gain last year, last month, or the last three months, like you're much more likely to stay motivated. And like we've been saying this whole, you know, last 20 minutes, staying motivated is a huge part of the game. Yeah. I love, I love looking back and, and making sure that you understand how far you've come. Because if you forget about that or don't remember that, like you said, the, the, horizon looks infinitely long and it's a never-ending battle so depressing in just a second eric and i are going to have our big takeaways from uh, today's michelle singletary piece in the washington post but before we get there i'd like to take a minute and talk about your ira or solo 401k plan what do you do when you want to invest in something different than those usual suspects offered in most brokerages i've talked before about uh, uh, some programs like Acre Trader, as an example, where you're investing in farmland. If you want to put that inside an IRA, it can be very, very difficult. Or if you want to buy a house and put it inside your IRA, again, very difficult, easy to mess that up, disqualify your IRA. And this is when Rocket Dollar comes in. Rocket Dollar can help you invest in things like real estate, private companies, peer-to-peer -peer lending, crowdfunding, everything else allowed by the IRS that you won't find at 
Fidelity, Vanguard, and the usual places. Making investments with Rocket Dollar is easy. You simply write a check out of your Rocket Dollar account. You don't have to wait for a custodian to mail the check on your behalf. It's super simple. And best of all, you keep all the tax protections of your existing IRA or your 401k. When you open a Rocket Dollar account, you can take advantage of a world of investment opportunities for $15 a month after a one-time $360 sign-up fee. And if $360, by the way, sounds like a lot, you're not familiar with this realm where generally the fee has a comma in it from some of the legacy players. And it's why I like a fintech company like Rocket Dollar. Not just that, but like I said earlier in the show, I also like the fact that there's a big knowledge base to make sure that you get this right if it's your first time investing outside of an exchange-traded fund or a mutual fund. So for Money with Friends listeners, though, our friends at Rocket Dollar are giving us $100 off your setup fee. If you head to rocketdollar.com forward slash MWF, they'll direct you on putting Money with Friends in the super save $100 code space. 100 bucks off when you set up your account at rocketdollar.com forward slash MWF. Well, it's a moment of truth, Mr. Roberge. You're on the hot seat, man. What's our takeaway from today's piece? And the, the takeaway is that people really should not fear the uh, the planning, the goals, the the transition into the new year. They should use that as a kickstarter, a motivator to understand where they've come from and look forward to make sure that they are still on the right track to where they want to be going. And whether it's a qualitative approach or a quantitative, looking at the numbers, I think just that reflection and planning, however it works for you, is going to refresh you and provide some clarity into the new year. And with that clarity becomes motivation and action. I love that. And it's funny because it always does. It always does. I don't know if that's a good sentence. It gives people uh, the motivation that you talk about, but I think a lot of people don't expect that. They expect it to be this horrifying experience, but you feel so much more powerful after you go through it. You feel so much more in charge. And I love, like I'm on, and people that are long-term fans of our show know they're sick of me talking about my my diet that I've been on with MetPro, but, the, but, but I feel like I'm in charge. Every day, if I eat crap, I do it intentionally. And I don't feel completely out of control versus over the holidays, I decided, I told Jesse, my coach, that I am not going to be on my diet. And I was out of control, you know? And I, what's funny is I felt horrible. I wasn't sure what was coming up next. I knew it was going to involve cookies, probably some chocolate, um, but there was no plan. And then a few days ago, I went back on the plan, immediately felt so much better. It just, just seeing those, those milestones coming up so, so much better. Some structure. It's all about the structure. Yeah. If you have no structure, it's not, even if you want that freedom, which I do myself, the structure provides me more freedom than it takes away. That is so true. Yeah. Because as an example, I already know next Thursday, I'm not going to be on my plan. Hey, Jesse, I'm not on my plan next Thursday. <laughs> but you know, but, but see what I just did there? That means I've got the structure so that I can now plan for the fact that I'm going to do whatever the hell I want next Thursday. And Jesse can't exactly. stop me. So exactly. Yes. Uh, uh, Eric, tell everybody where they can find you when you're not hanging out with us here at money with friends. Yeah. Well, we can go to beyondyourhammock.com, which is, which is my financial planning website where we focus on helping professionals in their thirties and forties do more with their money today and tomorrow, or you could look on to anywhere you, you listen to podcasts and search beyond finances and you'll find Kaylee and my wife, Kaylee and I, and, and what we do every two weeks. 
Yeah, it's it's so awesome. And by the way, if you're on your commute, walking the dog, whatever it might be, we'll we've got you covered. Uh, head to uh, moneywithfriendspodcast.com and you can find all the links to Eric. Guys, Eric and I back here again tomorrow, where we're going to talk about a CEO of a big company on Wall Street who has a side hustle that might be a little different than you think it is. That's all I'm going to say about that for today. You got to tune in tomorrow to find out what the hell we're talking about. We'll see you again then. Bye-bye. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Sihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2019. Taylor Eichenberg engineered this show and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of our friends who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other video or podcast without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends.